stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show, and welcome to our new theme song. Um, I guess we need to say goodbye to Alice Cooper. He's been our theme song for a year now, singing No More Mr. Nice Guy, but we have that new jaunty little music. I really like it. I think it sets a good tone for us. I'm quite pleased. I thought we were going to start it after the first of the year, so it's a nice little surprise. We're right in the middle between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Lovely week. We had a gorgeous Christmas. I hope you did, too. We, you know, we had way too many gifts, and we had way, way too much food. The refrigerator still filled with yummy leftovers, including the best cheesecake I ever ate. It keeps calling me. I hang on to the furniture so I don't go, but that cheesecake has a powerful voice. My son's a gourmet chef, and dinner was a triumph, and we still have leftovers, and they're still good. The best part of Christmas, though, was my grandson, Jack, who's about to be eight. He makes everything a delightful experience. He helps me see the holidays through new eyes, through a child's eyes, and holidays look different when you see them through child's eyes. Everything is new and wonderful and loving, and um, it's a lovely experience. I hope you try it. it. It's worth it. And now we're almost at the end of 2011. For all practical purposes, we are at the end and the beginning of 2012. I did a little search the other day uh, on 2012, and all I got was about um, the Mayan calendar and the fact that we're coming to an end. I, I don't buy into that. I don't know what you think, but, you know, we're going to be talking about new beginnings and, um, creating your own life and it doesn't include the doom and gloom of the Mayan calendar. Now for the end of the year I suggest that you do some very serious but also playful visualizations for what you want to manifest in the new year. What do you want 2012 to look like for you? Now if you see it, hear it, feel it, feel yourself doing Whatever it is you want to be doing or being what you want to be, you'll be much more likely to get there. Now, make it real and make it yours. 
You know, choose what you want and then bring it about. A lot of people, and I know many of them, still believe that life happens to them. That they're a victim of what's going on. That they don't have any choice. That they just simply have to do the best they can dealing with what the, you know, dealing with the hand that they were dealt. Other people believe that we have choices. And today we have the perfect guest to help us think about choices in the new year. He says life is a choice and in fact has written a book with that title. Dr. David Washington is CEO of Washington and Company a business consultancy and training company. He's been published in the Leadership and Organizational Management Journal, Franklin Business Law Journal, and the Ethics and Critical Thinking Journal. All of those are heavy-duty publications. He has worked with various corporate and social organizations. He's a former faculty member of the Poole College of Management at North Carolina State University where he received the Outstanding Teacher and SGA Distinguished Professor Awards. Prior to his work in academia, Dr. Washington was a non-commissioned officer in the United States Army. He's been a guest on NPR affiliate station WSHA in Raleigh, WHUR-FM in Washington, D.C., and other media outlets. He holds an MBA from Webster University, MSA from Central Michigan University, and PhD from North Carolina State University. His passion, I love this, his passion is to educate, encourage, and entertain people to reach their full potential. It is such a pleasure and a privilege for me to welcome to the Self-Improvement Show Dr. David Washington. David, welcome. Irene, thank you for having me today. It is such a delight. I think you are the absolute perfect guest for the end of the year or the beginning of the year radio show. So we're going to end one and start one, I think, all in one, as they say, swell foop That's right. uh, on, this, on this show today. You haven't always been a Ph.D. and you haven't always had your own company. Uh, in fact, you started out kind of the hard way. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and what it was like for you growing up. Um, well, when I grew up uh, around age 14, my mother lost her sole source of income, and it changed our life dramatically because at that point, um, I had to start looking at what is going to happen to us. So initially when my mom gave me the news, I went into the room that we all shared, and I lived in a very, we lived in a very modest home, and I fell on the bed and looked up at the ceiling. And I started contemplating to myself, how long would it be before the utility workers would turn off our lights or the mortgage company would come and take this small little house away from us? And in that moment, you know, the, I, and I give God the credit for this, um, a spirit rose up inside of me and said, get up. It's not over yet. Um, and in the neighborhood where I live, my cousins ran drugs out of the house to my right, and then next door were a row of abandoned houses where their clients would take up. Um, and I said to myself, I can fix this. I can do something about this situation, but I can't do it feeling sorry for myself and being a victim. The only way I can do this is if I step up and say, I've got to make this happen, and there's no victim here. Now, so, how many 
people were living in your home, how many people were you thinking you had to be responsible for? Um, there was my mother and my brother and myself. And my brother had um, severe epilepsy, um, and my mother um, became disabled. So at that point, at 14, I'm sitting here like, wow, I've got to basically take care of this, you know, this household. And my mother did, you know, she did everything she could possibly do to um, help my brother and I along the way and pay the bills and, and make sure everything was taken care of. But around that time, I just basically had to lean into it and step into it. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was working four jobs, going to school, taking care of the household responsibilities, and then making sure everything um, was working and clicking right along as it should. Uh, wow, at 14, you weren't even old enough to get a job. What did you um, do? No, in fact, I, <laughs> I joke about that. I was tall for my age, and I could actually pass off as an older kid, <laughs> so I lied about my age to get my first job. And then they found out later that I wasn't old enough, and then they're like, okay, Dave, you're fired. I'm like, oh, well, okay, I guess i got to go about that. But fortunately, it was only like a couple of, it was like a couple of days, actually, before my 15th birthday where I could apply for another job. So I ended up applying for that next job and went in there and went to work on that. And what ended up happening during the course of this time, I just kept, you know, one job really wasn't cutting it, and two jobs was okay, but it really wasn't cutting it. So I think, you know, I thank God for this thing called DECA when I got to high school, which allowed you to go to school half of the day, and the remaining portion of the day, if you had all your credits, you could go to work. And what I did is I would go to school from uh, when the school took in to about 12 o'clock, and from 6 to 12, I would go to work on one job. And from uh, the 7 to into the midnight, I would work on another one. I would alternate day jobs, and I worked in a labor pool on the weekend. And that was the way that I was able to make it happen. So what kind of jobs did you hold? What kind of things did you do during that time? Oh, I, I think I did just about everything. Let's see. Um, I, was a, I worked as a video clerk in one job. I worked as a florist in another job, a cashier, a busboy, a dishwasher, um, <laughs> a day laborer, a brick hauler. I mean, you name it, I have pretty much done it. And when I would uh, talk to my students in the university, they'd be like, Doc, how many jobs have you had? And I'm like, you don't understand. I was working a lot of these at the same time <laughs> trying to make it happen. So through that whole process, I was working these you know, different menial jobs. But the thing that, I, that really helped me in that moment was I could appreciate I had the ability to work those different jobs. So when I looked around, I didn't feel sorry for myself because I recognized the truth that there's someone who has no ability to affect their situation at this point. Um, and there's someone from the moment that their eyes have opened to the moment that their eyes will close again, has been in intensive care, will remain in intensive care, and will never know the experience of work or play. So you don't have it that bad. Um, you know, and that was the thing that helped me along the way. And I recognized I had a choice in the matter. I could choose to stand here and let life happen to me, or I can get up and go make life happen. And I learned that so early in life that it just helped propel me through the rest of my life. So when I got in the military, um, I joined the military, went into, into the um, armed services, and I excelled in the military ranks, and I was promoted. I actually went from a private to a non-commissioned officer. So I came in as a, um, I was like a PV2, which that made me nothing to no one unless you've been in the military, but I was a private, and then I was promoted to the rank of corporal. And I skipped the ranks in between because the, my leadership saw that I had that attitude about getting things done. Um, and while I was in the military, I attended school at night. And so I would go from 5 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon with, um, or in the evening with my soldiers. And then from 5 to 10, I would go ahead and go to school. And I went to school every day the school was open except for Friday because most schools were closed. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I would drive to a nearby community college in the next city to finish my education because... And when I was on active duty, I recognized something that was direly important. 
education is like the ultimate equalizer when properly utilized. So I understood if I could get my education while I'm still on active duty, when I come back into the world of work, it's going to be totally different, and it was. Um, when I got back into the world of work, went back to work, worked in um, much nicer environments, and actually got into education. And then at that point, I said, you know what, I need to go ahead and go to graduate school. So I was going to graduate school. I was working in um, two different degrees in two different universities, and I actually, one of my coordinators that was at the military um, post said, hey, the only way you can move into full education and working in that environment is if you finish up these master's. And I recognized I only had a very limited window of time. So during the day when I would work, I would finish work, and then I would get in the car and drive to South Carolina where there was another site school and then drive back the next morning to be at work. And then on Friday, I would pack my wife and I up in the car and drive to Florida for the other university and finish up the work there and come back. Um, And then when, when I got all that completed, walked right into education. And it's been, uh, so it was something that I truly, truly loved and enjoyed because of the impact that you can make in, in that environment. So it was something that uh, gave me the opportunity to move forward. But then when I got there, they were like, well, you know, Dave, you need to finish up that Ph.D. You need to have that done. <laughs> yeah, one more. <laughs> just, just, now, yeah, just one more thing. So I came what in. What's interesting to me is I, I don't know that I call you driven, but more <laughs> motivated and and inspired and yet other people given the same circumstances the same abilities would have said this is way too much i can't do this uh where did you where did you get that where did where did all the strength come from i give uh, i give a lot into my faith you know because i believe that god has a plan for everyone and i give a lot of credit to my mom she did a phenomenal job uh, with my brother and i um, as a parent now, I look back at what my mom did. I'm like, wow, she was good. <laughs> you know, yeah, wow, look, she <laughs> was good. Yeah. You know, you're kind of every mother's dream there, you know, accomplishing <laughs> what you accomplished. And I'm assuming that during all of this time, you still were responsible for your mother and your brother. Yeah, yeah. And in, in time, things got better, um, but I still had that responsibility, particularly even in my military years. Um, until we got everything into stabilized, it was, I was still there making those contributions and, you know, starting my own family. And, again, it's this issue of, you know, you said you're going to step up, you got to step up. Um, you don't really have a choice in the matter. You've, you know, once you say I'm going to step out and be responsible, you are into that responsibility. you got to run that forward. Let me ask you this. Do you think... Yeah, uh, the diff- What do you think the difference is between people who see life as a choice, given the same set of circumstances, life as a choice, and life as, um, you know, victimhood? What, what makes a difference? Why, why are you so motivated? Why is the person next to you so uh, down on everything? What's the difference? Um, appreciation. Um, appreciation of your situation. Um, perspective is key. Uh, because for me, I, I've been very fortunate that I had empathy and I could recognize that there was other people, other individuals that suffered uh, in a greater capacity than myself. And also that I could see no matter how bad this is, I still have a choice. But a lot of times we've convinced ourselves we don't have a choice in the matter. So the Did- person comes, comes in and says, we don't have a choice. This is where it is. This is what it's going to be. And they believe it. And they're not aware of the power that they have over their situation. They just buy into it some total and whole and say that's it. You know, I just find it so fascinating that 
you have such an absolutely positive attitude and yet other people given your circumstances would give up and I don't know whether it's how we're taught or whether we're born with it you know there's all kinds of theories on it but you're the best example I've ever heard of what can be accomplished when you're truly motivated to uh, to to choose the life you want and go for it oh yeah it's fascinating to me and we're right up to break time I think we'll take a break now and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about your book Life is a choice, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding? What about your business? We've got a program that will help streamline your image management. Tune in to Marketing Matters, hosted by Yasmeen Anderson-Smith. Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. David Washington, who's written a book called Life is a Choice. But before we talk about the book, I really, we really need to share with you what we talked about during the break. Because I said to David, you know, he, he's so driven and he's accomplished so much. You know, what about the rest of his life? Is he driven at home? Does he ever settle down and relax with his family? And what was your response, David? Tell them, because this is so important. My wife actually sees me and my kids actually see me. I, I focus more on being productive with my time. Um, I learned early in life that you really have to be a good steward of time. So I recognize, you know, you've got to break that time up, you know, your time for your family, your time for your work, and whatever time you've been allotted, do the very best that you can with that time. So I look at it like from 9 to 5 or whenever I – most of the time I end up starting at 6 or 7 in the morning till 5. You know, once that's done at 5, we're done. And then, you know, we go home and spend the time with the family and the kids and – and spend that time there because you got to have balance. Um, the thing is, being a workaholic is not sustainable. Um, but if you're, again, a lot of time is wasted um, through our daily walk. We waste time on things that are just not good uses of time where we could focus that time in and achieve more. 
tell us a, just a little bit about your children. How old are they, and you know what kind of things do you do together? Absolutely. I have um, three children. My oldest son, David Washington II, couldn't help myself. I had to name one after me. Of um, course. So David Washington II, he's four. Um, and I tell you, he loves everything superhero. So if it's anything to do with Batman, Superman, Iron Man, or basically anything with a man in front of it, he's all over that. And that's my oldest boy. And I have a set of twins, um, Sean and Jade, and they're 22 months old. Um, two fabulous children. Um, I have a boy and a girl. And we end up spending some time with them. What we end up doing with them is we actually take them out to different places when we go on, on vacation uh, during off seasons. So that way we can take the time to run, let them run around. So like during Thanksgiving, we took them to the zoo for Christmas. We actually took them to the beach. And I have a fantastic wife. Um, my support, my confidant, everything to me. She means the world to me. I've been married now for 13 years, going into our 14th next August. And, and I can say... She's a very busy woman with three children that age. Oh, yeah. And what joy they are. Oh, my goodness. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book. What inspired you to write Life is a Choice? Um, a lot of times when I would get off of the podium after um, I would you know, give a talk on leadership or management or some business concept, the way I would present it, it made it um, something where people really were more interested in the things that were going on behind the theory or the thing I was talking about. So people would stop me and say, hey, so Doc, when are you writing that book? And I'm like, my book? You know, I write academic articles or I, you know, I work on, you know, quote-unquote research for uh, the classes. So I kept getting that over and over again. And eventually I just said, you know what, let me just go ahead and get that done. Uh, let's get that on the, bu- on the bucket list. Let's knock it off. And I came through the whole process, and I said, what would be something that would encourage an individual, um, would educate them, would encourage them through some examples and entertain them to read it through the reading process? And that really is what inspired it, because I really wanted to put something together that could be useful for an individual where they were in their time. A lot of the things in the book talk to people about what do I need to do right now, this moment, today, to get things in order to make that success happen. And I shared through a lot of the things I was going through in my life that helped me to get to that next level. How would you describe your writing style? Because it's very friendly. Oh, yeah. It's, um, when, I, when I write, I try to write like I teach. Um, when I write like academic articles, of course, it's kind of straight-laced, you know, very objective, very quote-unquote dry. Because the and idea. Dull, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know those articles. Yeah, Not so you, yours, just in general. Just in general. And I, that's, that doesn't lend well to a book. So what I ended up doing is I kind of threw away the, you know, the grammar guide. And what I ended up focusing on was what would be something if I was sitting across from someone talking to them about this concept, how would I explain that concept to them? If they were in my class, how would I explain this, this concept to them? And the, the joy of the book, uh, one of the best reviews I've gotten from the book is when one of my former students read the book. And they're like, Doc, it's like being back in your class. I'm like, perfect. We have achieved our goal. <laughs> you made it. How did you come up with that title? Uh, it, because when I started thinking about it, a lot of times it breaks down to choice. Um, you can choose to go one direction or another direction. You can choose to go left, right. You can choose to stay or not stay. Um, and when, I, when you really break down the core essence of success, success is a choice. Um, when you look at the people who have done well in their life, they got a lot of rejection. They went through a lot of pain, a lot of pain points and pressures and problems. But they chose to persevere because it would have been easier for them to relent and give up. 
And the thing that struck me as something that would be clear when people would pick up the book is life is a choice. And it's something that brings forward that moment of epiphany where when you're looking at it, you're like, that makes sense because life is a choice. I choose to live my life the way I live. Um, And that is what I wanted people to walk away with and understand. And I wanted to encapsulate that in the title because I didn't want it to be like, oh, the top ten steps to success. And yeah, it just just didn't feel right. I wanted them to understand through the title, just when you pick up the title, hey, this is a choice of what I'm engaging my life with. It's amazing to me how many people don't don't see life as a choice or a series of choices. You know, they're they they are not proactive. Uh, I guess proactive means you accept life and its choices. You know, they're reactive, and your book you don't harp on it, but it's it's all the way through. Mm-hmm. about some of the choices you make. The thing I love about your book is almost anybody can read and understand it. You mm-hmm. could give this to an eighth grader and he could get it. Mm-hmm. You could give it to a CEO and you know he could get it, and some of the CEOs don't understand this either. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, a lot of people in high positions and, and, and fancy educations don't get the concept about choice. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's so clear in your book. Tell, tell us about some of the people who've endorsed your book. Oh, we've had some great endorsers. Um, Dr. Nita uh, Quivane from High Point University, the president oh, of High I Point like University. Him. <laughs> I know him. He's a fantastic, phenomenal person. He endorsed the book and gave us a fantastic endorsement for the book. Um, we have Mr. Randy um, L. Moore, who's the CEO of Arlem Communications. They're one of the um, larger uh, DOD defense uh, contracting companies here in North Carolina. And Randy is a, is a dear friend. I even actually mentioned him in the book. He's a dear friend, but even more than that, he is, you know, he's a dear, so dear friend, dear partner, dear business uh, relationship, but a dear friend that um, has come in and endorsed the book. And as he read through the book, he was like, you know, he put his stamp of approval on it, and it means a lot because Randy has shared that kind of same similar story. And for him to see his level of success of where he's been able to go with his company and the things he's done, they now gross um, annually about $20 million a year. Um, and they've actually just won an additional contract from the federal government for over $400 million um, in this uh, season. So they've done well. We have Mr. James Speed, who's the CEO and president and CEO of um, North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance, um, which is uh, the largest and oldest African-American life insurance company in the U.S., and he endorsed the book as well. And we also have Ms. Sandra DeBose-Gibson, who is the um, uh, Miss Black 2011 uh, Miss Black North Carolina. And Sandra is just a fantastic person, um, has a phenomenal personality, just a great person. And again, she, when she read the book, she just her endorsement of what she said about the quality of the book and things of this nature, it just really made me humble because I'm looking at these fantastic, phenomenal, great leaders and people from all these different walks of life that are saying the same thing. This was it. it did a, you did a great job. So it means a lot to me. And I, and I really want to thank our endorsers because they didn't have to do it. Um, they took the time to read through uh, the manuscript and to put their um, name and, and rank and their um, great accomplishments on it. So I'm really grateful for them. Well, you know what? Another strength of your book is, and that's in the beginning when you tell your story, you tell how you got where you're going, although you didn't belabor it. You didn't try to make yourself you know, look like anything you're not. You just told your story, which I always appreciate. 
but you lived what you're writing about in the book. Yes, ma'am. And it's incredibly believable. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And uh, and that's, you know, that has to keep your attention that you've been there, you, you overcame, you went on, you learned the hard way. Um, this morning we put the article Don't Fall Out on the Self-Improvement Blog. I, everybody should read that article. It's about not quitting. Yes. yes. And, you know, you lived not quitting in so many ways that what you say rings true. Yes. So I would give this book to anybody. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, appreciate I, I that. really, I really mean that. Um, wow. I would give this book to anybody because it rings true. It's like you know, it's not like people who write a big fancy book, but they've never had any experience with what they're writing about. Mm-hmm. And I, you I, always, you always know. It sort of shows through, uh, mm-hmm. and and what shows through in your book is, is that it's real. That yeah. you know this, that you lived it, been yeah. there, done that, all those things. Um, and writing a book is an interesting experience, and you probably learned a lot of things in the process. So, you know, what are some of the things you learned from writing this book? I have learned more about the publishing industry than I care to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I learned a, a lot of things. Um, I learned about, you know, for me, Writing the book also was something of a challenge because I, you know, again, I'm pressed for time and I have other things that are going. But again, it's just one of those things that kind of reaffirm that yes, you can make these things happen. You know, even just the writing of the book does that for you. Um, the other thing I learned about the book, uh, or learned through writing the book, was about really, you know, how does this all come together and how do we move things from point A to point B. And then from a more just from a, just a business perspective, I learned some great things about the publishing industry that previously I didn't know um, before embarking on writing a book. And it, I got some great lessons from that. For example, about how do we properly um, put the information out and put the message out and put that message in place, and how do we get it in the hands of the people so that they can you know hear the message, see the message, and then move forward with that. So all in all, fantastic education uh, going through this process of writing a book and developing, um, going through the book and getting it done. Because there was a time um, when I was writing the book, I was basically every day, I would start my day um, writing. Um, so every morning, I, it was, and it, took, it was about a two to three week session of going through and getting my thoughts and starting on the process and writing and then doing the research, of course, that goes along with writing a book. But then just going through and just writing. And then, you know, after that portion of my day was over, it just kind of, in fact, it even did something for me to even keep me inspired on the work I was doing. So I just, and I truly enjoyed the process. Uh, it was great to be able to go through that process. Fantastic process. And you can start now thinking about your next book. And with I, that thought, <laughs> we're going to go to break. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show. And my guest, Dr. David Washington, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. 
World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness is delighted to finally have the opportunity to fulfill the requests of our many guests and listeners to extend the Mind, Brain, and Body experience to a second hour. Tune in for The Lyceum, Critiques of Ancient and Modern Understanding with Dr. Michael Kell. The purpose of this show is to explore and expand upon mankind's continual efforts to explain why we exist. Join us each week as we continue our fireside chats with some of the most remarkable thinkers living today. The Lyceum airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. David Washington. We're talking about his book, Life is a Choice. Um, David, where can people get your book? You can uh, go on Amazon and just type in Life is a Choice, and I'll pop up that way. Or you can go to our website, and we can direct you um, how to get in, get the book, which is lifeisachoicebook.com. That's lifeisachoicebook.com. And if you go to the website, you'll be able to click through and link into um, some right right into an area to purchase. And it's a number of different places on the site where it says it right up front. If you just order now, click and it'll take you right there. And and I guarantee you, you'll love this little book. Uh, it doesn't matter what your level of education is, what your level of power is in a company or in a corporation. You know whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're a corporate executive, this book will speak to you. So I encourage you to get it. Um, really encourage you to get it. Where can they reach you? If somebody wants to reach you, if they want to invite you to give us a speech or a lecture, how would they find you? Um, they can also find me by just going to drwashingtonspeaks.com. That's drwashingtonspeaks.com. And uh, you can just click on there in the contact us to contact us page, and it'll take you right in, and it'll give you the information to get in touch with me, and we're more than happy to come out and speak to you. Fantastic. Now, there's a question I want to ask you. You end so many of your chapters with the little uh, phrase, mm-hmm. "Be empowered." Why do you do that, and what do you mean by that when you end the chapter that way? That was that's kind of like the exclamation point at the end of each lesson that you know we do, because I, I want to drive it back home that it's your choice. You need you have the power. 
you have the ability to influence the situation, but you've got to step up and be that individual, be that moment, and you've got to be empowered. So that's why I put that in there because every time, you know, you're going through these things and you're like, well, yeah, that, it's not going to be for me. It's not going to work for me. It is for you, but you've got to make the decision to say it is for me. So I try to reinforce that after, after each lesson that I do at the end of the chapters because I want people to recognize you do have the power to change your situation. But if you don't believe it, it's not going to change. Yeah. If you don't step up, it's not going to change. It's going to stay, it's, it, again, what we define as insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Things are not going to change until you step up and say, I am going to step into my destiny. And it's, it's there for me. And that's why I try to, that's why I put the be empowered part there, because that part is truthfully, the power does lie within you. You have it within you, but you got to believe it, and you got to see it, and you got to act on it. Yep, you gotta tap into it. It's it's there. It's like a Christmas gift that's not unwrapped yet. It doesn't do you any good unless you take the wrapping off. Absolutely. Gotta get to the good stuff. That's right. So you have an interesting quote in the book. Well, you have a lot of interesting quotes, but you say there are no dead end jobs, just dead end people. You know, Mm -hmm. talk about that. So in the book, again, I kind of challenge individuals to step into their position. A lot of times you'll hear people complain, I'm working this dead-end job. I'm working here at Burger King or I'm working here at this, you know, at this, as a secretary at this, at this firm or I'm over here doing this, that, and the third, and this is just a dead-end job. And what you don't recognize when you walk around with that perspective, it will become what you said it is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say it's dead-end and it will become dead-end. So there are no dead-end jobs, just dead-end people because people don't take the opportunity to advance themselves. Again, I'm not talking from ivory towers. I'm talking from personal experience. I have worked more than my fair share of minimal skills jobs. Um, And in those jobs, because I kept looking at them as opportunities to advance, guess what? Advancement came. So though I started out as a dishwasher at one job, I ended up working up and becoming a busboy. Those same skills I learned from dishwasher to busboy helped me when I became a non-commissioned officer in the Army, which helped me when I became a professor, and then which helped me when I became an assistant dean. What ended up happening was because I kept looking at it as opportunities and saying to myself, let me see what I can learn about this, it gave me a different opportunity, a different chance. Uh, In fact, I remember one time when I was meeting with an individual, I was working in a restaurant as a busboy, and the senator of our state came in. But if I had a grumpy attitude about everything, I wouldn't have paid it. I was not I would have been not paying attention to the fact that wow, the senator's sitting right there. <laughs> so, I went over and introduced myself and had a good smile, cleared his table and said, "Sir, it's nice to meet you." And the great thing about that was if I had because of the attitude I had about the job I was doing, cleaning a table, it brought me closer to this man of great power. But that would never have happened if I had had that attitude that this is just a dead-end job, I'm just a busboy. Exactly. You know, I, I'm on a list of an opinion poll, and I get an opinion poll almost every week. And one of the questions that they have that just absolutely blows me away, they'll have a list of, of companies. And the first question is, uh, if you had a friend, which of these companies, or if you needed a job or you had a friend who needed a job, which one of these companies would you be proud to work for? Mm-hmm. And then you do your answer and you click and the next page is what, the same list of companies, what uh, jobs here would you be embarrassed 
to work for? What companies would you be embarrassed to work for? And I always think, are you crazy? I wouldn't be embarrassed to work at any of them. I would be just happy to have the job in these times. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, what's going on here? I, I always want to write them and say, why are you asking this question? Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, did you not recognize that we were in a recession? Just oh, Okay, you just missed that one altogether. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. You, you're in some other world here. Where do you live? Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I, it is absolutely amazing. Because, you know, uh, one thing that uh, comes from that whole process is, is that sense of entitlement. I'm too good to do X. And right. There, there, to be the reality of it is, some kid. In fact, I was doing an interview uh, last week, um, and we were talking about um, the youth and job markets and how it all is working out. And one of the questions that came up was, "Well, you know, I want a good-paying job. I want this job, and I'm just starting." And what I, what I was explaining to the listener was, "You got to understand, you, it's not where you start; it's where you finish." Many of people have started in the mailroom of organizations to become the CEO of organizations. Absolutely. Many of people have started out there waiting tables and then became the owner of the entire franchise. So it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. So you may start in the mailroom filing mail, but if you work hard enough at that process, that will open up the doors for, for people to see what you can be. In fact, in Chapter 3 on the issue of passion, I talk about that, which is, Passion opens up the window for people to see what you can be and not what you are right now. Because when you're passionate about what you're doing, people have no choice but to come closer to you because it's rare to see somebody that's fully engaged in what they're doing. It's like a light that burns so brightly that you've got to get next to it. You're but drawn it, to it like a moth. Absolutely, like a moth to a flame. You're, 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 you're there. Um, you're there. And that, that's the part that's missing out of a lot of people's lives. They're like, well, why, why isn't anything happening for me? Why aren't things changing for me? Why aren't things getting better for me? Well, it's probably because of the way you're approaching it right now. Um, and you've got to approach it in a, in a way where you're saying, this is not the end, yet the beginning. And if you can start with that, this is not the end, this is the beginning. What will end up happening is those opportunities that you're seeking will come to you. But you've got to have the right attitude. And when you get there, when you get at that job that you've wanted... Then you've had experience with everything along the line, and you know exactly what goes on there. Oh, yeah. You, you know how to deal with it. It's a lovely idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. In Chapter 4, you have a, cha a chapter on hard work, and you say there's no substitute, which is mm -hmm. true. But in that chapter, you talk about the roles of intelligence and talent in relation to success. It's not just about hard work. Talk, talk to me about those two concepts, you know, Sometimes. talent and intelligence. Talent, talent and intelligence are phenomenal um, skills, but phenomenal quantities to have, uh, phenomenal characteristics. I mean, those are good things to have in, in your corner. However, relying purely on intelligence and talent to carry you to the next level is not the best strategy in the world because talent will fail you. Are you um, saying that I can have all the talent in the world and if I don't get on the couch, I, off the couch, I'm not going to get anywhere? Absolutely, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> that ruins my day. <laughs> I am so sorry. This is the truth parade. <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, you can have uh, all the you can have all the intelligence. You can have all the talent in the world. But if you don't get up and put that to work, it's going to be a waste. Um, and there's nothing. I, I love this one line out of the uh, movie The Bronx Tales. There's nothing worse than wasted talent. And the fact of the matter, what they were talking about is the fact that when you you have these great people who are 
extremely smart. They're just, they're just off the chart smart. And the problem is they never apply themselves, um, and they never get out there and work. And talent and intelligence couldn't hurt your chances of being successful, but those things alone will not guarantee success. And I've seen that in the professional world. I've seen that in the um, labor world where people are, are like, I'm really smart, but yet they never move past a certain position. Why? They're not putting their intelligence to work. And, and what you will find, there are a lot of people who are successful that are not at the highest scale of skill or intelligence, but they had a burning desire to achieve. And that desire drove those individuals to do more. And, you know, I even tell it because, again, I, I believe in honesty. I never considered myself to be the smartest person in the room, and I never considered myself to be the most talented, but you would be hard-pressed to find somebody more determined because what I would say to myself a lot of times, there are a lot of people in this room that are a lot smarter than me, but I know a good percentage of them don't like work. And even in the Ph.D. program, that often happened. There are a lot of people that were extremely smart, extremely well-equipped, but they relied on that to carry them to the next level. And the problem was it failed them when they needed it the, the most. The person who puts in the time and works on their craft, develops themselves, continues to keep pushing and practicing and moving forward, that person will reach their level of success. And a, a totally, again, honest confession and being as uh, transparent as I can, right now I sit at 33 years old. I have a Vita, and I have some credentialing and some recognitions that people that are double my age have not reached yet. But the reason being is I just never gave up. I could take a good beating and keep moving. And that was the thing that pulled me forward. And it didn't have anything to do with being extremely smart or extremely talented or anything of that nature. It's just I wanted it more and was willing to work to prove it. You and the Energizer Bunny have a lot in common. <laughs> and with that thought, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. David Washington, saying, stay tuned for more. We will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Rochelle and Jeff from Travel Hub Radio with another Travel Hub tip. You're late for your flight and there is a long line at the security checkpoint. What can you do as a traveler to improve time and efficiency and make your flight quickly? One idea is to take everything out of your pockets, such as sunglasses, cell phones, PDAs, pagers, and other metal and electronic objects. Put them in an easily accessible pocket on your carry-on luggage. If security asks you to display or operate these items, they're right there. Plus, you won't hold up the line when you have to do the walk. A metal belt buckle or a wristwatch is usually not a problem, but be aware of them and ready to remove them quickly if needed. Wear comfortable shoes that can be quickly slipped off and on if you are asked to remove them. Most of all, if the security personnel give you specific directions or ask you a question, don't argue. Just comply and cooperate. It's not personal. They're just doing their job. For traveling tips and much more, make sure you tune into Travel Hub Radio or listen to the show archives and podcast right here on World Talk Radio and at TravelHubRadio.com. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk.
You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Dr. David Washington. We've been talking about his book, Life as a Choice, and about his philosophy on life and how he managed to get where he is now, having his own business, being a professor. At the age of 20, uh, 33, I just took 10 years off your life, David. <laughs> 33, he's accomplished so much. Uh, one of the chapters in your book, I think it's chapter 13, is based on a lesson your mother taught you. Let's talk a little bit about that. What's the lesson and its importance to you? Trouble is easy to get into and hard to get out of. Oh, totally. yeah, ouch. <laughs> that, is a, that, is a, that was a big lesson. My mom used to tell that uh, to my brother and my, myself, and she would always say, boys, you know, trouble is easy to get into and it's extremely hard to get out of. And she would tell us this to remind us because we, you know, we were in an environment where you could get into trouble very easily. I mean, it wouldn't, you didn't have to stretch very far to go find trouble. You could find it if you were looking for it. But she would explain this to us, and, and, it, and it hit home with me because I recognized you know, what my mom was going through just to be able to get um, me and my brother to the level of where we were able to go, be able to take care of ourselves. And I, you know, and I thank my mom. And you know, if my mom, my mom should probably listen to this. Mom, you know, I, I love you to death, and thank you so much for all the things you've done. You have done a fantastic job, and I can't thank you enough. I often say in public um, forums when I teach, you know, if I could be half the teacher my mom is, I might do something valuable in this world. Mom, I love you to death, and thank you for everything you've done for me. I appreciate it. Um, when you know, so in the, in the world outside of you know criminal activity trouble. There's trouble in our everyday life that sometimes we invite right into our front door. And it's so easy to get into it. It's, it's right there. It's right in front of you. That time when your coworker, you know, says that flattering comment and you just take it a little bit too far. But you're, you, and then by the time you're going out to dinner, you're dancing, you're laughing. And then this person is in a hotel room and you're standing looking across from them. But there's one problem. You're married. Trouble. Yes. Extremely trouble. easy to get into. Um, or that time where you could have taken care of that incident, but you didn't, and you let it just slide by the wayside. Parking tickets. If you've ever watched a good show, Parking Wars, I'll explain it right there. You let one little ticket go by the wayside, and another one go by the wayside, and before long, what ends up happening, 20 have gone by the wayside, and now the city's repossession of your car. But that trouble was easy enough to get into. Now it's hard for you to get out of, and it's going to cost you more. So in that lesson, um, in that chapter when I talk about that, I warn the readers about the fact that if you're not vigilant, trouble will come into your life, take everything you work for, and leave you wounded emotionally, financially, physically, because you let it walk right into your life and you didn't avoid it like the plague. Or you got into something and you didn't, re- you didn't remove yourself from it as quickly as possible. Sometimes in conflict, when we're dealing with people, we go full out. Later to sit down at our desk and be like, wow, did I really say that to that person? And that would have been something that we could have totally avoided, but we wanted that instant gratification in that moment, and we forget, and then we go ahead and proceed forward, and then we live to regret it. And that's why it's important that you be careful about the trouble around your life and don't leave a foothold for it in your life. 
avoid it at all costs and keep it away from you. Um, so that's where, you know, it was a lesson my mom taught me and the way that, you know, the way she used to explain it to my brother and, and I was just fantastic. I thought that that would be something great to leave with the readers. And we thank your mother for that lesson because it's a very solid, important lesson. It seems to me, and you tell me if you, if you disagree with this statement, that now some of the attitude, even in business, seems to be it's okay if you get away with it as long as you don't get caught. Yeah. (laughs) You can can shave. You know, I look at what some of the manufacturers are doing. You know, excuse me for the example, but a roll of toilet paper is a good example. Mm -hmm. You know, they charge you more, put less on the roll. They charge you more, make the roll looser so it looks bigger and there's not as much. You know, the box is big, but it's only three quarters full. Yeah. you know, so that you you pay more and you get less, and maybe the people aren't going to notice. Yeah, but eventually that catches up. Um, it always does. It always does. Um, so that what ends up happening when people start running those those very questionable moral and legal lines, eventually you're going to get caught. It's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. It's a matter and, of when. Yeah, and it, people just and people catch on. Because some people, and I see this in my business dealing, some people, are they profit off of ignorance. But when that person becomes aware, you've got to watch out because they're coming back to you. Um, so that's why, you know, I, and one of the things I've always tried to do here at our company and working with individuals is to be as forthright, transparent, and as crystal clear as we possibly can because there's no need to be any other way. I know today is fine. I don't want to con you into doing something. I want you to come into it with a full appreciation of why you're doing it versus then tricking you into doing something. Because when I trick you and you become aware, you're going to come back to me, and that's not good. Very quickly tell us about your, your company, your business. What do you do? Um, in Washington Company, we provide business um, consulting and training. So if a business comes in, they have an HR issue or a strategy issue, we'll come in and help them with that. Um, some of our clients are individuals that are under consent decrees or had some type of judgment um, levied against them for their employment practices. And what we'll do is we'll come in and fix those things for them and get them in compliance with the pieces they need for that. And then other things that we do, we engage with business development. So an organization is trying to figure out, well, what is my business really doing and how is my business really growing or not growing and what are some of the things I need to be aware of. And we'll come in, we'll work on that for them, we'll get them their statistics and we'll give them a clear explanation about ways and metrics that they can affect that, um, that outcome. And from there, what ends up happening, our clients end up coming to us either in a training capacity to kind of keep them going, what they've got going, or they may come to us and say, we have this particular need and we need you to address this for us, and we'll come in and fix that for them. Tell us again how people can reach you if they want these services. Um, they can reach us at uh, www.washingtonandco, washingtonandco.com. And that lists our, we're a boutique firm, so we take care of the little small things that may be needed in the organization. But WashingtonAndCo.com stands for Washington and Company. And you Is there, it there. Can you, you, do you work with small businesses as well as bigger corporations? Absolutely. Um, we find cool. that we do a lot of great work with small businesses because they're the ones that don't, they can't afford like a, um, and I, I'm not, not to do a bad comparison, but a Boone's Allen or a, um, uh, McKinsey and Co. They can't afford those individuals, so we become their consultants for them, and we help those smaller businesses to help 
find those profitability points in their business to look at how they can improve what they're doing in their operations. So we gear toward the smaller business and helping them move forward. Wonderful. And we are at the last few moments of the show now, David. So tell our listeners, what's the one thing you'd like to leave them with today? That life is a choice, but also a gift. We have been granted this precious gift we call life, and you only have one, and it's your responsibility to do something with it. You can take that gift and go live um, away from greatness, or you can take that gift and go toward greatness. You can take that gift and go build, or you can take that gift and destroy. You can take that gift and live in the darkness, or you can take that gift and go live in the light. Ultimately, it's your choice what you do with this precious gift. So my last little piece of advice, please choose wisely. Wonderful thought to end the year and begin the new one. Next week's guest is Lynn Serafin, who's going to talk about the question, Is Marketing Making Us Ill? This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. My guest, Dr. David Washington, wishing you a happy new year and asking you to join us again next week. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.